You're listening to the really useful podcast, the tech podcast for technophobes. My name is Christian Colley from MakeUseOf.com and with me this week is my colleague Ian Buckley. Hey Ian, how are you? Hello there, I'm good thanks. It's good to be back. Yes, it certainly is. We are here to um, talk about a topic which you've probably gathered already from the title of this week's podcast, which is 3D printing. I know next to nothing about 3D printing other than the 3Doodler Create 3D Pen that my daughter has. That's it. And that is probably a good thing because uh, the only things that I really don't know much about uh, are the 3D pens. They're the only things I haven't actually played with myself. So we're, we're well set to, uh, to, to okay. chat through 3D An exchange printing, of information is about to take place. Indeed. Okay, so Ian, you've done a little bit of 3D printing. I have, yeah. I would by no means say that I'm some kind of mad professional. There are many people out there with years and years of experience who will tell you every last tip and trick. But uh, in terms of explaining what 3D printing is and how to get into it, um, I'm very well placed to do that at the minute. I've been spending a lot of my time on it. Excellent. Now, there are various advantages to 3D printing that you may have heard about. Um, you can replace um, broken components. You can create toys. You can uh, create small plastic things to replace other small plastic things. Uh, there's um, they, they can double as gadgets. You can make um, bag clips, for instance, to keep your bags airtight, things like that. It's a whole mm. amazing collection of things you can build with a 3D printer. Now, the majority of 3D printers uh, that are available for home use, I believe I'm right, are plastic, aren't, for plastic, aren't they? Yeah, uh, well, historically, always, yeah, there have been, uh, uh, when you think of 3D printing, uh, you see the pictures of them, they're those big spools of plastic that go down into the printer, which gets melted, and it makes it layer by layer uh, until you have a model. And uh, they are still, I'd say, probably the most popular 3D printers for home use. Uh, there is now a lot of budget printers that use resin as well that are, are, are getting down to uh, uh, the kind of price that home users could have as well. Um, I would say that both kinds of printers have their uh, advantages and disadvantages, which is something we could maybe go into this episode as well. So what are these two types of 3D printer? The two main types of 3D printer that you get for home are uh, so-called FDM printers, um, which stands for Fused Deposition Modeling, not that you need to know that at all. Um, they're just the kind that use uh, long lines of plastic that feed into the top of the printer. And the way these ones tend to work is that you feed this plastic line into the printer and the end gets very hot and melts it. And then the uh, uh, printer moves around using stepper motors and layer by layer will draw the plastic on uh, to the model uh, over and over again. And that is how you can seemingly create these models out of, out of nothing. Um, it's, if you imagine, uh, if, if you, uh, what's the best way to put this? Let's imagine you had a, a pencil with a very, very, very thick uh, bit of graphite down the middle and you drew a picture and then you drew on top of the picture again. And if you did that, conceivably after a very long time, you would start going upwards uh, until you had a, a 3D picture. Now, of course, that wouldn't really be feasible to do. But that is essentially what 3D printers are doing. Uh, they are uh, printing a layer of plastic over and over again uh, until you end up with a full model. Um, and this is the kind of 3D printing that's been around for a very long time. Uh, they used to be very expensive and they used to be very rough and ready. But these days, uh, you know, a couple of hundred uh, dollars will get you something that will make uh, models um, those kind of printers, in my opinion, are very good for 
the stuff we were talking about before, making functional prints. If you want to make clips to keep your food uh, uh, fresh in the bags, or you want to make, um, you can even make shelf uh, brackets out of them. You can make cases for raspberry pies, and you can even make things like games. Um, uh, and not to say you can't make beautiful models with them as well, but um, that that is one kind of 3D printing that you probably are most familiar with. Um, and the, the other kind, which is starting to get quite popular now, is so-called uh, resin printers. There's a few different names for them. Um, you might hear uh, the name SLA printing or DLP printing um, or some combination of the two. It doesn't matter all that much whether you know exactly what those mean. They all work the same way. They use resin, which is photosensitive. So uh, you shine a light into this resin um, and whatever the light hits will cure and become hard. Um, and those ones work very similarly in a way to the FDM printers, although usually it's upside down. You have a, a plate that goes down into a vat of resin and it will layer by layer uh, put light on that build plate and it will lift out and <clears throat> layer by layer create a model. Right. Now, both of them end up with much the same thing. You will end up with a, a model at the end of it that's been created layer by layer over a number of hours. Um, although, as I said before, um, largely uh, FDM or filament-based printers are good for uh, very practical uses and you can build very big things. Uh, whereas resin printers are very, very accurate and they're good for creating quite beautiful little things. A lot of people create miniatures um, and pieces of art with resin printers. Um, so that's sort of a very uh, wide overview of how these two kinds of 3D printers work. Um, and if you are completely new to it, um, I would argue that there's a good reason why you maybe would want to stick to the first kind just to begin with, which is the FDM filament printers. Um, so I, I, I understand I'm going on a little bit, but uh, the reason, the main reason I'm saying FDM printers are probably better is yes, there's a hot plastic and you could burn yourself on it and all this kind of stuff. But the, to actually just make a print using a, a filament 3D printer, there are steps involved. There is a learning curve. But when you are finished printing, um, the plastic has uh, completely uh, set up again and you can take the print off the printer and then you have your 3D print. It is finished. Uh, resin printing is a little bit different. When a resin print is finished, there is still resin hanging on the outside of the print, the same resin that it's made out of. Mm. And that resin is toxic. Um, it will uh, damage your skin. You really don't want to drink it. Mm. You don't want to get it in your eyes. Um, there's even some concern about breathing in that resin. And the first thing you do when you finish a resin print is you need to wash it in isopropyl alcohol, um, which uh, is recently quite famous because it's a uh, uh, one of the ways you can make your own hand sanitizer. It was very hard to get a hold of for a while because of that. Um, so the post-processing, as in what you need to do after you've made a 3D print with resin printers, is a much bigger thing. It's not something that you'd necessarily want to do in a small flat and certainly not something you'd want to do around children. Um, but yes, uh, that's a sort of very large but high-level introduction to 3D printing. Um, but... As someone who hasn't really done much 3D printing in the past, is there anything in particular that you find interesting or something that you don't really know about it that you've always wondered? I've always been interested in getting a 3D printer, um, mm. but there are various reasons why I haven't got one, mainly the fact that I don't have a suitable outbuilding or work area where I could use one. Um, yes. So I have relied on 3D printing services. Yes, yeah. For, for quite a few things. And I found that they appear to be good quality but there's always this um, 
what's the best way of, uh, the, you, you, this, this ripple effect which I, th- mm. I think that's something to do with the, the the size of the filaments isn't it it is I mean the the sort of rippling effect up the side can be uh, can mean a number of things and this is where this is where things immediately start to get kind of complicated because while there are 3d printers that will just work and they will print things um, if you really want to get perfect prints, um, 3D printers are a little bit like a classic car in that you need to spend the time and you're going to spend probably a little bit more time fiddling with it than you are using it to get things absolutely perfect. Okay. Um, because the nature of how the, the plastic filament 3D printers work is that essentially you have um, three axes of movement. You, the, it can move up and down, it can move left and right, and it can move back and forth. And that's how it uh, moves around the build plate to create the 3D print. Now, if any one of those axes for any reason is slightly off, um, or it's moving at the wrong speed, or the filament isn't melting or setting fast enough, if any one of those things is slightly off, then you're going to get prints that maybe look a bit weird and have those steps up the side. Um, so there's no real easy answer as to how to kind of get around that. And I'd imagine one of the reasons that the uh, the, the 3D printing uh, services uh, end up with some of those kinds of prints is that they probably... Uh, use the the most efficient way of printing in order to keep the price down for people they want to send stuff out to. Um, and again, much like anything that you are making for yourself or getting someone else to make for you, you will get what you pay for. If you have a load of time at home to spend hours and hours fiddling with your printer and trying over and over and over again, you can really iron out a lot of those problems. But again, it depends what you're doing it for. If you just want to print, as I said before, some shelf brackets or something, if they look maybe a little bit knobbly, uh, but they work well, it might not be the end of the world. Okay. What about the quality of the resilience and the quality of the plastic that is being printed out? For instance, you're talking about shelf brackets. I've seen mm. 3D printed uh, bike tire levers and things like mm. that. Do these things last? Um, again, and, I, and I'm going to sound like a stuck record, but again, that's a very difficult question to answer because there's two things you have to think of here. Okay. One is the, the general quality of the filament itself because there is uh, a difference in filament quality and you will find uh, many, many uh, opinion pieces on YouTube about uh, which filament is the best or which ones to avoid. Um, but even more important than the quality of the filament is when you, when you buy, say, a shelf bracket from the shop, um, that has gone through some form of design. And I mean, yeah, okay, most of them are made of metal, so they know roughly what the tolerance of the metal is. And so they can give you a good idea as how strong it will be and how durable it will be. When you're printing stuff yourself, all of that, uh, strength and all of that engineering has to go into the design, the 3D model that you send to the slicer, which is how you get things ready for 3D printing, and then the that is what ends up getting printed. So if you print a shel- uh, shelf bracket which isn't well designed, uh, it doesn't really matter what kind of filament you're using, it's going to break because you sure. have to put the engineering in ahead of time. Um, so I, I, I don't really... One of the things, one of the things I would also like to know, and I don't know enough about yet, is um, the difference between sort of uh, industrially created plastic items and 3D printed items in terms of durability. My instinct would say that obviously industrial practices are going to give you a much stronger thing, um, just because of the the kind of uh, equipment that they will be using compared to 3D printing. Um, but there are many, many examples of 3D printer, 3D printed objects going through stress tests and doing really, really well. Uh, but that said, I wouldn't necessarily 3D print, you know, a, a, a bracket for a hanging chair in your living room. That's going to end badly. <laughs> there are uh, many uses for 3D printing, as we've said, but there are also many different types of 3D printing. Now, you mentioned two, and I just wanted Indeed. to 
vague um sort of ge generally just jump into the area there's there's um, a more recent type of desert like um, a metal type of 3d printer isn't there there is yeah and so there's also you... a food 3d printer indeed yeah there's even 3d printers that uh they're, they're quite fun actually there's a there's 3d printers that can essentially uh print um i mean i think there's one which is like super uh high tech uh, research size uh, research style which is actually printing food on a level of, of their printing proteins and with the idea of eventually being able to print a steak. Now, I, I don't know that for sure, but I, I seem to remember reading something about yeah, that. I saw but that. The, uh, the general food ones, uh, a lot of them, which I, I think are very cute, and very nice, are uh, ones that are printing chocolate and, and, and sort of uh, biscuity cake things. Um, and uh, I don't know if they're the kind of thing that will ever go into general production for people. I think they're a bit of a, a, a kind of a bit of a, a just a, a showpiece. They seem but more they are, sensible to me fun. than printing meat. To be honest with you, because the things that are already mashed up, mm. you know, they're like cakes and biscuits. They're made from powders and mashed up butter and you know buttercreams oh, yeah. mm -hmm. and, and you know and whipped up eggs and stuff. So they're they're already in that kind of mashed up processed form. Whereas meat, let's be honest, should not be. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I think that's the difference between the two. I think we're talking one, which is uh, using, uh, you know, the, the, the base forms of all of these uh, things like you would in baking. I think one of the things that uh, they would be able to make is incredibly intricate designed things. And mm -hmm. while I doubt everyone's going to have one in their kitchen anytime soon, um, I think there's definitely a place for that. Whereas the other side of things, as far as I know, it's called 3D printing meat, but it's I think it's. Again, I'm going completely off my mind here, so I apologize if this is wrong, but I think that that is uh, uh, 3D printing of another kind. This is very kind of low-level biology, actually bonding cells together and stuff, which is complete future Star mm -hmm. Trek, you know. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the food side of it, as far as I know, is at this stage just pure research, whereas in the uh, in industry, in, in the, uh, the places where all the things we use are made, there's different kinds of printing which is much more advanced um, and a lot of the things that you use every day will have had some kind of uh, 3D printing or 3D printing analog uh, to it. So, um, for example, one of the things that, uh, that uh, we're beginning to see more and more of these days is uh, DMLS, which stands for Direct Metal Laser Centering. Now, that is, again, not dissimilar to the way that you'd imagine a normal 3D printer working, but it is with metal. Um, and so the idea behind it is it, it uses less metal to make things. Uh, there's less human input required. Um, some things that would have to be machined by a person now can be just created using a sintering, uh, a, a sintering printer. Um, and uh, this is stuff that it's unlikely you're ever going to see kind of for home use. There might be a few, but they'll be very expensive. But it does exist. Um, we are, you know, people say, oh, I can't wait till I can 3D print with metal. Well, we already are to, to a degree. It's just not something that we're doing in our workshops at home yet. I've noticed with 3D printing that there is a kind of limit to what you can do in terms of size. You're kind of yes. limited by the size of the printer, aren't you? That's exactly it. Yeah, and it, uh, almost all home printers uh, are limited just by the sheer fact that um, to, to, you need to have a printer that is much larger than the thing that you're going to print in order for it to for the prints to fit inside it when it is done. Which might sound obvious, but um, but yeah, it has to fit within the build area, as it is called, and the build area being the uh, the the size of the build plate at the bottom, and then upwards is just however high the uh, the frame around the 3D printer will go. 
There are some larger ones that you can get for home use. They're a lot more expensive, um, but they do exist. And there are people out there who have built their own large scale 3D printers, um, uh, which is quite obviously quite a, a large DIY task, but it is possible. Um, but yeah, most, most 3D printing is of a smaller size because when you do start to get to much larger sizes, um, again, in industry, they're, they're using different kind of forms of uh, molding to create plastic. And so it doesn't really make as much sense financially to make them. Sure. Um, but yeah, most of your home printers, you're not going to print something more than, say, uh, 30 or 40 centimeters tall, which is 12 to 15 inches, I believe. Um, and maybe uh, six or seven inches in each direction is probably the largest you're going to get at a ho from a home printer. Um, although, uh, again, there are options which are larger, but if you're going to be getting one just for your own home use, especially if it's your first printer, you're not going to want to spend upwards of $1,000 on it, and most of the ones under that price are smaller. Okay. So I, um, I was just looking there because... As I mentioned earlier, I, my daughter has a 3D printer pen and, you know, it comes out quite fine and you, she basically draws with it or, and she layers up with things and yeah. gives it texture and depth. And she's, she's done quite useful little things with it. She's made some food with it. In fact, she's 3D mm. printed a pizza, uh, which, nice. uh, yeah, which looks okay. And she's done a few other bits and bobs. But there is a lot of waste with that because um, you, you're basically drawing and you know when you draw you rub things out because you make mistakes so um, there's a bit of uh, quite a bit of wastage with the 3d printer pen is that the same with a 3d printer is there a degree of wastage of the plastic can errors happen yeah, yeah there is i mean um it, pe uh, people argue as to whether the way the, the amount that's wasted is actually worth worrying about but um there there will be um i mean so for example with the with the 3d printer that i'm using mostly at the minute um, you just need to waste a little bit of plastic before you do a print to make sure that the plastic is coming out all right. And when you do need to change uh, the filament, um, the safest way of changing that filament is to make sure you remove any filament that was left in the tube, which means that you'll have a long uh, line of plastic that you don't use. Um, and again, there are arguments as to whether this amount of waste is a problem. There are also options for um, uh, eco-friendly uh, filament. Again, there are arguments as to how eco-friendly that is. Um, one thing that I do find quite interesting that is uh, something that people have had uh, some success with is that you can take old filament um, and you can actually manufacture it into rolls of filament again. Right. Now, I've never had hands-on experience with this. I don't know how well it works. Um, but uh, of all the different kinds of filament that you use, I think there are now two which are capable of being somewhat recycled. Um, and I realize actually now that I say that, we haven't really touched on the different kinds of filament that you can use in a 3D printer. Um, and I have a handy chart that I'm just going to pull up now. Sorry for the typing noise, folks. So most 3D printers use PLA, um, which is uh, polyactic acid, uh, polylactic acid, sorry, <laughs> which is a form of plastic that you're probably quite familiar with. PLA, uh, there's lots of things that are made uh, from PLA in your day-to-day -day life. And it's the most popular filament type because it's easy to use. Um, it's easy to print with. It has a lower temperature than other kinds of plastic, so it doesn't have to be quite as hot to use it. And because of that, um, you generally come out with easier uh, prints. Uh, you're going to have less problems with printing. The other thing that's quite nice about it is that um, while some 3D printers are quite loud, you might not want to be in the same room with them in terms of sound, uh, PLA doesn't really smell all that much because when you think of 3D printing, you think, wait, you're melting plastic? I've accidentally melted plastic before. It stinks. It's yeah. horrible. PLA isn't really like that, which is uh, which is good. 
And the other nice thing about PLA is that you can get it in almost every color under the sun. In fact, just out of shot over here, oh, this isn't a video podcast, what am I talking about? I have uh, some glitzy blue uh, glittery PLA that I'm printing with at the minute, which is obviously very nice. Is that for Christmas? Most people who... Sorry, go ahead. Is that for Christmas? Still, I'm still working out. You see, again, as I said before, 3D printing is not an exact science, and you spend a lot of time trying to get it work. If I get things working nicely, I'm definitely going to be 3D printing some Christmas presents this oh. year. But with the printer I'm using currently, uh, I might be tinkering with it until Christmas Day. Uh, so we'll just see. Not all 3D printers are quite uh, are alike in terms of how much you have uh, effort you have to put in to get good prints out of them. But all of them require a little bit of a input to make sure that you do it right. So moving on from PLA, which, as I say, is the most common kind of... Uh, Plastic. If you uh, don't really know what you're doing and you just get 3D printing plastic, you will probably end up with PLA. The other kind is known as ABS, which is, uh, I'm going to try and pronounce this properly, acrylonitrylbutadienstriene. I have not pronounced that correctly and I have no regrets. Um, ABS is the second most popular filament, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it is much better than uh, PLA. It's certainly kind of stronger. Um, and ABS is uh, something that you are familiar with because if you've ever used Lego, that is made from ABS. Uh, they are very highly durable. And like I was saying before, if you want to start printing your own uh, shelf uh, uh, brackets and all that kind of stuff, you probably want to be using ABS because it has a much stronger material durability. From a home perspective, if you're just making things for yourself, um, I would suggest spending a long time doing PLA printing first before even going near ABS because it is an extra level of complexity that a beginner probably doesn't need. So with that in mind, there is one thing that we probably haven't touched upon, and that is you've got a 3D printer, and they, they come mm -hmm. at all budgets almost these days. But what would you actually do with a 3D printer once you get it home? You connect it to your PC. Do you have a specific piece of software for printing to the 3D printer? What happens at that stage? Yes. So um, when you get the 3D printer home, um, some of them you'll need to build, um, but most of them come with fairly good instructions as to how to build them. They're a little bit like uh, um, kind of, uh, I, I don't know if Meccano is still popular, but uh, you can pretty much fit it all together quite easily. Um, they, some of them come fully built, some of them come in a few parts. But uh, once you've got it built and you've got it set up, um, there's usually a couple of ways you can uh, talk to a 3D printer. One of them is via an SD card. Um, so much like your camera or whatever, you, um, there's an SD card slot on the printer. Um, and the other is via USB, and you can attach the USB port directly to your computer. Now, whichever way you decide to connect it isn't really all that important, because the, uh, the way that you do it is, is very similar. There are lots of different kinds of software out there for uh, 3D printing with. Um, I have used um, uh, both Cura, which is a popular piece of software, um, and the printer I'm using right now uses a piece of software called Repetia Host. They both do more or less the same thing. It is a piece of software in which you put a 3D model, and you can get 3D models from all over the internet. There are thousands and thousands of free different 3D models you can download from sites like Thingiverse and others like it. And uh, you drag that model into the software, and it will show you a nice 3D rendering of the area that your uh, builder has um, and the model on it. I should point out that almost all software you'll need to um, configure it for your printer, but almost all printers come with instructions as to how to do that. Um, it's a little bit like setting up a new normal printer with your computer. You need to make sure you have all the right settings. Once that is done, you do a process called slicing. And slicing is taking the model that is in the program, and the program will look at the model, work out if it needs any supports, because sometimes you need some extra little supports on the model to stop it collapsing while it is printing. 
and then it will create um, G code, which is the same code that's used in CNC machines. It's the same code that's used in a lot of industrial machines, um, which basically is a set of instructions for the printer to follow. It literally tells the motors exactly where they should go when. Um, and uh, you don't need to know about G code. You don't need to know how to make it because the software will do it for you. Okay. Once you've sliced uh, the model, you either send it via USB to the printer or you put it on an SD card and you set the print going. So um, the first time you do it, it will feel like a lot of steps, but um, I'd argue that the software used for 3D printers these days is not all that difficult to use. And most 3D printers have a very strong online community of uh, forums and YouTube videos where you can learn pretty much everything you need to know quite quickly. So you've um, got some 3D printing experience. I don't have any 3D printing experience beyond an arty kid's pen. What is the most, I don't know, best slash most vital thing that you've 3D printed? So far, it might sound like just a very little thing and it might sound like it isn't all that significant. But so far I have 3D printed just a number of small animals and I did this on the, uh, the filament printer rather than the resin printer um, because I did, they didn't need to be absolutely perfect. But the idea behind it is just that my son, who is not quite two years old, uh, loves little toy animals and he has, a, he has a handful of them. And he also has a lot of books and uh, you know, a lot of his books have a lot of animals in them and he's a big fan of elephants. And being able to just sit down and print uh, a little family of elephants out of plastic, which are bright orange, look nothing like real elephants, <laughs> elephants um, but to, to be able to make that print, finish it, and then just quickly check it over. And within two minutes of actually getting it off the plate, obviously once everything was completely cooled down and, and checking there was no sharp edges or anything like that on it, um, I was able to, uh, to give them a quick wash just to make absolutely sure that they were fine and give them to him to play with. Now, I should mention at this stage that I... I know my son and I know he isn't putting these things in his mouth. If he was, I might feel a little bit different about it. Um, but even then, um, there is a lot of evidence to say that uh, once uh, PLA is set, it's just like any other kind of plastic. Um, but um, th that's probably, of all the things I've printed, I've made th uh, 3D ca uh, cases for my Raspberry Pis, which are quite useful. I've uh, 3D printed little things just for putting LED lights in, not for any practical use, just because I'm a bit of a DIYer, I like doing that. But by far the best thing I've come up with is, yeah, I've managed to, within one day of deciding, ah, let's, let's make a toy for my son, he's, he's holding it, and you know, it, was, yeah. it was a great success. That is cool. That's, um, it's, it's like going to the past and having your parents woodwork toys for you, only it's plastic yeah, exactly. and it came off a printer. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, it did feel very reminiscent while being completely different <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay there are so many things that you can 3d print it's absolutely uh it's almost incalculable the uh the infinite selection i'm looking at a list of things that we published on make use of several years ago which could probably do with revisiting a list of the cool games that you can 3d print at home and there's mm. everything here from uh zombie apocalypse figurines um just standard um little um pieces for tabletop games to um chess and um a catapult game oh there's so many things you can build with with 3d printed plastic it's awesome there's a, a micro planter chess set uh, yeah i really like that one That's yeah such a um for those of you that uh, uh, uh can't see this i mean obviously you can follow a link in the show notes to see this article but um to just quickly describe it to you if you imagine the chess set but all of the pieces are tiny plant pots um that is what you have here um uh, all different kinds of tiny plants 
Um, and the board is 3D printed, all of the parts are 3D printed, all that, that was required was a little bit of compost and some plants. And you have a very, uh, very beautiful uh, little uh, kind of thing that would be very nice to have out in the garden. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a chess set. You can play chess with it. It's actually slightly insane as well. Um, yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and, and you know, that's, that's just toys and games. And you can, I'm, I know that there are people who build their own toys from scratch yes. with 3D printers. There are, for instance, um, fans of the popular Transformers toys build their own Transformers. Absolutely, yeah. There are people who replace broken components or lost lost weapons, or whatever, using uh, f from toys. Not, I'm not talking, about, um, not talking about physical small arms. No, toy weapons using yeah. a 3D mm -hmm. printer. This um, broken dolls. 3D printers can f replace parts, and they might not be exactly the same quality, but they, they do at least replace the parts. And there, there's so many. We've got endless lists that we. As Ian mentions, we'll share with you in the show notes of various things that you can do with 3D printers uh, to use them at home. They have various other uses as well as we've as we've discussed. There are um, educational things that you can use 3D printers for as well. Which, um, if you're um, if you or your children have uh, STEM interest, there's a good um, opportunity there to uh, combine various things into one satisfactory outcome with a 3D printer. There is, um, I mean, it's, it's a whole avenue of discovery, Ian, as I think you've probably discovered. I have, yes. And, um, and recently, um, uh, I, that's the thing, like, as I said, um, I, I've got, in a way, a lot of experience with 3D printing. It's something I've been adjacent to for many years and I've written about for a long time. And in recent time, as, as I say, I've spent a lot of time actually 3D printing at home. Much like you said before, uh, I, uh, you, there are online places you can order 3D prints, and I've been doing that for a very long time. Um, but uh, the newer 3D printers, even the budget ones, are so detailed that um, there's, a, there's, there's a thing called the Benchy, which is something that is designed for 3D printing. It is a little boat that is designed to be a little bit difficult for a 3D printer to print. It is the test for all 3D printers. You print this little boat, how well it comes out is a test of how good your printer is. There is a new thing called the Benji or the Benjin, which is a 3D printed engine. And that might sound insane, but the thing that's even more insane about it is it prints all as one piece. And the way that it works is it prints this thing that looks like an engine. It has a handle on one side. It has three pistons in the middle. And in between the pistons and in between all of the parts are tiny little pieces of plastic so that when it's finished, you take it off. You turn it once very hard to break the little in-between pieces of plastic. And what you have there is a perfect representation of a piston engine that's been printed in one piece. Wow. Um, now, that thing alone is incredible, not only that 3D printers can do that these days, but as we were saying, in terms of uh, learning, in terms of trying to describe to people how things work, um, that thing alone is a fairly good representation of a, sing a simple piston engine. And it goes on much further than that. Um, 3D printers are accurate enough to make gears, 3D printers are accurate enough to make moving parts, um, and if you are interested in showing a child or even just learning yourself a little bit about how uh, gearing works or making moving devices. Um, yeah, there are projects out there which you can completely 3D print yourself at home, which will allow you to do that. Wow. I'm just looking at the Benjin there. That's, uh, that's very intricate. That's really it amazing. really is. It really is. And surprisingly, um, su and surprisingly 
uh, well, I wouldn't say foolproof, but I think I've printed four in total. Wow. Um, and two of them worked just immediately without any problems. Um, and the uh, one of them didn't work all that well. But that was uh, going back to what we were talking about before, the difference between the two. One of them was resin. And because I messed up the post-processing, it was nothing to do with the printer. It didn't particularly work because the resin stuck. Um, and again, this uh, this is maybe another reason why FDM printers or filament printers are a little bit easier for beginners. Um, because I, I really must stress once once again that while I absolutely love my resin printer, which is sitting over here, and for anything that needs to look nice, I probably will be using it. Um, in some ways, it's actually slightly easier to use uh, in terms of getting good prints than a filament printer. But you need to be wearing nitrile gloves. You need to be in an environment where no one else is going to be around. You're going to end up with resin and isopropyl alcohol in places. And you need to also be aware that these things are, are toxic. So unless you cure all the resin you don't use, um, I, you need to know how to get rid of these chemicals because you can't just put them down the sink or put them in the bin. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I would certainly... I would certainly kind of recommend starting with filament printers because if you can if you can print an engine just in one piece, you just leave it going, you come back with something that is, uh, yeah, like that. I, I, they're certainly at a stage now where you're not going to be wanting um, much more. Um, that said, that said, if you see all of these amazing little figurines and you're really into figurines, maybe you were into the Games Workshop and Warhammer things at some point and you want to get into that, um, the opposite is true. Um, resin printing would be for you. You just have to really research what it is and how to do it before you get one. Um, because I would argue that you don't even necessarily want a resin print, pr uh, printer in the same uh, kind of flat as you if you live in, say, a one-bedroom flat or whatever, um, because uh, they can smell and the post-processing is a little bit involved. Okay. Uh, well, do you know, I'm going to hit this button here. Mm-hmm. We've explored a ton of 3D printing topics for the beginner. I feel like I've learned something. Do you feel that there is anything else you need to say? I would just say that if you are interested in 3D printing, the best way to get involved with it is to uh, read some articles on it, uh, read some reviews on it. Um, we have both of those on the Make Use of website, and of course there'll be some of those linked in the show notes. Um, and alongside the things that we've put out, there is a huge community online of people who are enthusiastic about 3D printing. Um, and if you are interested in it, um, there is a lot of great content out there which will tell you everything you need to know as a beginner, all of the first steps, and including some great printers that are budget models for beginners. Um, 3D printing is not something that you can just jump into without much th thinking about. You, you are going to want to spend some time on it. It's definitely a hobby in and of itself, mm -hmm. but it's one that so far I have found incredibly uh, fun. And while it is frustrating sometimes, much like any hobby which is mildly uh, like arty, um, you do really get a lot out of it and feel like you learn a little bit every day. Great. I mean, that is the intro to uh, 3D printing that I think you probably need if this is uh, something that you're uh, fancying taking a look at. And if you are restricted or limited with your options of activities over the coming months based on where you, where you live, perhaps, and uh, various local uh, policies regarding health and safety, um, 3D printing might be something that you want to get into. You've been listening to the really useful podcast, the tech podcast for technophobes from makeusoft.com. And please feel free to uh, send us any of your thoughts and comments on this show and um, share us widely wherever you can with whoever you feel would benefit from the information in this week's show. We are available pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. We're on Spotify, we're on 
Google Podcasts, we're on obviously we're on Apple Podcasts, uh, we're also on Amazon Podcasts and of the other podcast places. Until next time, it's goodbye from me, Christian Corley, and it's goodbye from me, Ian Buckley. Thanks for having me back, Christian. Speak to you all soon. Until next time, it's goodbye. Bye-bye.